Good morning, everyone. It is... I always have to look, don't I? It's August 10th, and it's 8.09 in the morning. I managed to rally a little bit earlier today, so that's good. We're going to set out front, however, to try to circumvent any cat escapes. And when I first sip of coffee, here we go. Mm, so good. Today's most favored red Starbucks mug day too, so that's always a banner day. So yeah, at least for the front patio, we can go out a nice glass door and not through the passageway of doom. Well, I see the man left his breakfast bowl out here. That's all right, because he was very kind and delayed heading off for work so that he could watch Jackson for me, keep him from jailbreaking. We only had the one jailbreak yesterday. Unfortunately, I got him back pretty quick, but it was still a little bit much. <laughs> Hopefully the crows aren't too loud this morning. Hello, Jackson. He's coming up to see me now. He's always pretty interested if I'm sitting on this bench. Hi. You can go about your business. The crows are... One of them's just kind of got his beak hanging open in a long drool. It's not very attractive. I think we'll reset him. There's a spider web in his beak that might be causing a little bit of mechanical interference there. Now I get to do cat leash adjusting. It's a pretty morning. It's a little bit overcast. We had a big storm come in last night. It really looked, actually it looked like a tornado sky for those of you who know what that means. Okay, spider. I am disengaging your web here. Sorry. There, that's better, isn't it? We'll see if that... He's just got kind of a leaky beak. God, I hate a leaky beak. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Having to gather my thoughts here. So... Oh, I was saying we had a big storm come in, and it really did look like that really lowering black-green sky, like tornado weather. Though I don't think we have enough flat land here for a decent tornado. Maybe baby tornadoes. But at any rate, it kind of all came to nothing. We got a little bit of hail in the afternoon. Not baseball-sized hail, fortunately. And, um, and we got a little rain, but really not much. The ground doesn't even look wet. So a lot of bluster for nothing, as it sometimes goes. We won't make any uh, sexual references there. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got word count again yesterday. Arrows of the Heart is coming along really well. Um, Zer and Karin are really amusing to write they're they're a good they're a good couple a good team um, they're kind of in the mode of trying to outwit each other right now so that's pretty amusing 
and all of the big stuff is coming together. And I think I've mentioned before, but I think I know how the last book is going to go. And I was thinking, I'm just going to put at the end of the Arrows of the Heart, it's going to say um, the conclusion of the Uncharted Realms will be secret title I've made up out in spring. And I think it will be out in spring. I think I can do that. I've kind of got my schedule figured out. Though I always say that, don't I? But anyway, I think I am a little bit at the end of of the tunnel here. Um, I got developmental edits back from my editor, Jenny Conway, at St. Martin's last night on the Orchid Throne. And she said, and I quote, This book is so freaking good. Wow. And she put like little periods between each word. So I, I'm taking that as a thumbs up. Uh, she gave did give me some edits to do, but they're not huge, and they're pretty much what I would have done on another revision pass anyway. She picked out a lot of the stuff that I figured out towards the end of the book. That's unfortunately how my process works. Once I get to the end of the book, um, I've discovered all of the answers to these sort of secrets and seeds and things that I've been planting along the way. And then I have to go back a bit and uh, layer in. It's mostly layering in motivation because she's like, well, I don't understand why this person was so determined to do this thing. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, because I wasn't sure either at the time. (laughs) So I think that it'll... I'm really happy to be working with an editor who is giving me a very good, insightful developmental edit. Frankly, it's the only reason to... Not the only reason. It's it's a, one of the main reasons to traditionally publish anymore. Um, and I'd say the overall arching reason is to have a team. I mean, to have a team of people who are working on your book with you and having developmental edits is part of that. Um, I had a traditional publishing editor recently, who shall not be named, uh, who... I mean, her letters to me would be, she would throw me all kinds of flattery, and it didn't sound, I don't know, she didn't put periods between the words, it didn't sound sincere. She would just sort of blather on about how great the book was, and then and then tell me she had no edits. And I imagine, I mean, I know that there are some writers who are happy to not have developmental edits because, you know, A, it's less work, and B, a lot of times, oops, sorry, I'm moving the man's breakfast bowl, a lot of times writers think that that means that they're just so wonderful, And, and I know this because I've had friends brag to me about it. They're like, oh yeah, my editor just had no edits on my book, and they kind of preen, and they're all happy, and you know, it's like no book is perfect. <laughs> Even when it's published, it's not perfect. Um, and it's certainly not perfect until you've had another set of very insightful editorial eyes on it. And I believe that very strongly. And, you know, I always pull out the great cautionary tales of Anne Rice and Pat Conroy, who, you know, had done brilliant books, brilliant books that I loved. 
and then both decided that they didn't need to be edited because they'd like evolved past that or something. You know, and that's so much ego, so much ego to think that, you know, like, oh, well, I am such a magnificent writer that it only taints my work to have somebody else mess with it, you know, which is just ridiculous. Uh, besides, somebody else isn't messing with it. Nobody can make you change anything about your book. I hear this from self-published writers a lot, you know, saying, oh, well, I wanted to self-publish because I didn't want anybody to, uh, to change my voice and I didn't want to be told what to write. And it's like, well, I can tell you've never been through traditional publishing because that's not how it works. That's not how it happens. Instead, a, a good developmental editor is a partner in polishing the book and making it be the very best that it can be. So Jenny gave me a three-page edit letter, which is very reasonable, basically just uh, summarizing the various areas, what she thought worked and where it thought where she thought it needed help. Uh, she had a few things on sensitivity issues, which I really appreciate her um, pointing out. Uh, you know, for those who, who don't understand the sensitivity thing, and I know, I know people get frustrated with this, uh, especially straight white people uh, get very upset about having things about sensitivity pointed out. You know, and basically what it is is that if you're describing characters in certain ways that are going to be hurtful to other people. And I think this is the part that that straight white people in some cases in their indignation can miss because they'll say, Well, I'm not racist or I'm not homophobic and I don't think that way. And so I shouldn't be criticized. You know, it's again, it's that sensitivity to criticism. Like criticism is somehow a personal attack. And one thing that's really, really, really important for writers to remember is that we're talking about the book, not you. And I try to be really careful uh, when I phrase things because, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I won this award. Or... Um, such and so just loved me. Well, no, they. my book won an award. And such and so loved my book or loved my prose or loved my characters. But it's not at all the same thing as, as yourself. And if there's a flaw, or not even a flaw, even if there's something in your book that could be hurtful to someone who's in a marginalized group, then... It's it's not criticism. It's not being mean to you for somebody to point that out. Instead, it's a, hey, I'm aware that you probably don't see this, which we don't. That's part of privilege. You know, it's we look at it and we say, well, that doesn't look hurtful to me. Well, of course it doesn't because <laughs> you're not the person that it would be hurtful to. So... Um, so Jenny pointed out a few of those things, and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you know, I I went through something kind of recently where I tried to... Well, I did help. I did help another author with um, a sensitivity problem on an upcoming book. And uh, 
well, it's hard to talk about um, without giving details, which I don't want to do. But, yeah, some people had seen some stuff in an early version of the book that they said, whoa, you might have a sensitivity issue here. And really, everybody wanted to be helpful to her. Um, and the people helping were also white people. And they said, you know, I'm not qualified. I'm, as a white person, I am not qualified to tell you if I think that some of these descriptions are going to be hurtful and might cause you problems, which are two different things. You know, it's like you might get the social media outrage and people knocking you down. But then there's also the fact that some people read the book and, and they feel othered. They feel like that they're not included in the story, but instead are like an object of the story or being used in a way. And I think that's, I, I do feel like that's so important to remember that, that it's about being aware of being hurtful to other people. It's not just whether or not you're going to be attacked, which of course isn't fun, but a lot of times the perceived attack is just people pointing out that, that what you did was hurtful. I saw something recently that, um, <laughs> I think Neil Gaiman retweeted it. I don't know who came up with it, but I thought it was really an excellent point where they said, try replacing the phrase political correctness with having respect for other people, which is an interesting exercise because you, if you say things like, we have way too much political correctness, becomes we have way too much of having respect for other people. <laughs> or, I don't like being forced to be politically correct. I don't like being forced to have respect for other people. And see how that goes? I'm taking Jackson on a little escorted walk now. Might as well, right? So anyway, the other white authors who had read the book said, you know, I'm white too, but some of this stuff sends up a red flag for me, and you need a sensitivity reader. You really should get a sensitivity reader of color who can tell you if some of this stuff is going to be hurtful. And the author was very upset by this and felt attacked and said, you know, that she didn't have any bad intentions and so on and so forth, and you don't have to. So that's kind of a... The thing is, is to be mature about it. And so even though the stuff that Jenny pointed out, I don't think is particularly... It doesn't seem harmful to me, but she has a point that, that it could be. And it's better to be safe. And by that, I don't mean safe from social media storms, which is self-serving, but also being careful not to have stuff in there that's going to demonstrate a lack of respect for other people. I mean, you know, really, it's not that hard. I think that's the hardest thing for us to get over, understanding that idea of privilege, that that when you're privileged, you just don't see it because you haven't gone through it and you haven't lived that life and you have to be willing to listen to other people when they say 
yeah, this is how it comes across. This is how it feels to me. Um, we don't need to corroborate it. <laughs> we don't need to uh, verify whether or not we think it's hurtful. My solar light at the end of the driveway has come undone. I don't know why it does this. I really need to get new solar lights. I'm letting Jackson wander a little bit here, but he's on his long leash, so we'll see if we can do this while he's exploring. Solar lights are cool, but they don't last all that long. You notice that? Yeah, this guy's kind of messed up. <laughs> He's down there rolling in the dirt now. Funny cat. So anyway, I'll be able to uh, get those edits done and in. Busy August. As soon as I finish Arrows of the Heart, I'll finish those developmental edits on Orchid Throne. And then I think I can... Can I talk about this now? Yeah, I think it's pretty well set. Um, hmm, hmm. I'm trying to decide. I haven't uh, cleared it with the other gals. I better not say. I am going to be working on a collaboration, not a collaboration, an anthology, another four-author anthology that's going to be out in November, um, like Amid the Winter Snow last year. Uh, I won't tell you the title yet because I want to clear it with everyone that we can talk about it. Uh, but it's going to be, I think, really super cool. It's not exactly all the same authors. There's a little bit of difference in there. And I think you guys are going to be excited about it. So there is going to be a new 12 Kingdoms story. Twelve Kingdoms Uncharted Realm story, and you heard it here first. I'm 95% sure that it's going to be uh, from Harlan's point of view, and a Harlan and Ursula story from his point of view. So that'll be fun. I'll write that, and then I will finish. Oops, I guess these. I'm going to finish Lovenet's War, Sorcerer's Moon, sorry, couldn't think of the name of it for a moment. The last two books in that, and finish off Misconnections. And then I'll be writing the sequel to The Orchid Throne, which I think is going to be called The Fiery Citadel. Uh, Jenny likes that title, I like that title, so we just have to clear it through St. Martin's Marketing, and that'll be a go. So, all exciting things. All right, Jackson, let's go back to the house. We're like down the road half a block. I'm, this, we're kind of out in the country, so we don't have actual blocks 